That's Retro Fandango. That's Retro Fandango. When it's Android over iPhone, and you can keep your stupid amiibo and always bashing on Nintendo. But that's Retro Fandango. That's Retro Fandango. Thanks, Retro Fandango. Well, how's that? What do you know? We got the ball of deer live. I know. He's waiting. He's waiting on us. We have someone waiting, so we better start the show. Wow. Well, Welcome. before we start the show, happy 200. Oh, happy 200 to you as well. Even though, Even though I, we did that already. <laughs> you pointed we, out this. It, it, this is 200 of this show, but we've done 200 episodes of something together. We're past uh, Well, we've probably done closer to 250. You think that many? If you add up all the film dangos plus side fandangos, we have had uh, trivia contests and a couple things like that. I, I, I'd wager we're, we're closer to 250 than we are 200. Yeah. Okay. I, I don't know if we got to, to, to 250, but yeah, we're, yeah. If this were years ago, one of our listeners, multiple listeners would be eager enough to go out there and check that stuff and let yeah. us know. Well, Nobody to be fair now, <laughs> to be fair to the listeners, it's not as easy as it used to be because since we moved on anchor, it, it didn't, it carried everything over and then it dropped a bunch of shows. So mm. it's really up to me to archive the shows and put them on archive so people can listen to the old ones, but I haven't done it yet because I'm, I'm a lazy, lazy man. I just really don't think that many people care. If there I was do a not huge campaign, yeah. If there was a huge campaign, people were like, hey, I want to listen to the old episodes. And, but I just, I can't imagine there's that many people that really, I know Kyle has said something. He's been the only one. So. Well, you get on that, Kyle. Well, look at this. We, we, we started off and we've already got three people in, in the, uh, the chat there. Well, three people that are commenting. Uh, well, one Dean, of them, we've got Derek, we've got uh, Duke, and we've got good old retro Fandango. Yeah, Fandango's commenting on it on itself, mm -hmm. full circle. Uh, well, welcome everyone to episode 200 of Retro Fandango. I'm Kevin here with my buddy Richard. Hello, and um, let me just get some house cleaning out of the way, even though we're right, right smack dab at the end of February. I forgot to look up what March's games are. Uh, we'll still plug february's game so why not uh portal 2 that's the game that people mm -hmm. are playing in the cartridge club rf gen is playing james bond 007 on the game boy which i hear it's i've heard nothing but good things so people are liking it and uh beat the bandy beat the duke i guess you got a few days to get in there and beat dr jekyll batman double dragon 2 and wizards and warriors what if duke... a few days that's all you need duke uh has anyone done it? Has anyone beat all the games besides you and Matt Bandy? Haven't been falling over there. I do believe this is more of a Matt versus Duke month. Yeah. Uh, two, two month period. Yeah. I'd mm -hmm. say so. Mm -hmm. oh, look at this. Derek says he has all the episodes. I have the episodes all downloaded, but the anchor ones have GUIDs for names so harder to count accurately. Guidos, we don't take those stereotypes here. 
racial <laughs> slurs. Duke has beaten none of them. This is according to Duke. He's, he, oh, wow. he's so upset he's referring to himself <laughs> in third person. Oh, my God. The Duke has beat none of them. Wow. Uh, well, Ooh. I'll give uh, Duke a pass because he's been uh, resurrecting a television. Yeah. And I've been following it every step of the way. Yeah. Congratulations, Duke. Well done. Did he Did he get it uh, up and running? Like, uh, I'll be honest. I, I haven't been watching. I don't know. I didn't really watch the videos. <laughs> you jerk. <laughs> No, I did watch, and I commented on everyone. Okay, a Guido is a hexadecimal number. Oh my goodness. Okay, well, way to go, archive. Mm -hmm. Well, I should put them on all archive.org, but I'll I'll get there. I'll get there. That is that is good of you, there, Derek. Way to keep on top of things. Derek does that kind of stuff. Like he he's knowledgeable. That's he's interesting. He cares. Yeah. yeah. He's scared of these things. Yeah. Well, somebody has to. Well, since Duke's here, and I know Duke's a huge Star Trek fan, mm. uh, I wanted to talk to you about some, some Star Trek DVDs. I am fascinated. I, I couldn't think of anything more that I'd like to talk about on episode 200. We've been building up to this point. All 199 episodes have <laughs> been built up to this point. By the way, I should say that the reason why we're not doing anything for episode, nothing special, even though every episode to me is every special. Every episode is special. special. Because uh, we went all out for episode 100 and no one cared. So I just didn't, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't feel like putting all that effort into something again. And it's like it was just treated like every other episode. I really thought that episode 100 was going to be like, wow, that was really, you knocked it out of the park. And I was like, eh. 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 Anyways. Uh, you know, when you go to buy a Star Trek DVD in the store, you get something usually like, like this, the big, you know, double, oh, you've seen these, right? I, I have them on my shelf. I just can't reach them. I got right. the same one. And they got the gray all the way around this metallic thing. It's kind of like Terminator 2 kind of style. That's how they all come except for, uh, the motion picture, which got this full, Full yep. image in the yellow. Oh, yeah. ooh, ooh, I've got that one, but uh, mine is the single disc. I don't have that fancy oh. fat one. Oh, really? Uh, the uh, director's cut? Oh, man. Uh, throw my back out to try to reach it there. I can't. <laughs> oh, there we go. Uh, yeah, I've got the director's cut here, single. Huh. That is just the one disc, or is there two discs in there? I don't know. It's just the one. You probably have just one. That's it. Huh. I got two. Wow, I've never seen that before. Well, it is the Japanese release, so maybe. Uh... Hmm. Uh... Don't Japanese releases usually come with more bonuses? Maybe people aren't as interested in the Star Treks. Um, I do have the the fat cases for the other ones, though. Although I am yeah. I am missing three and five. I'm missing uh, a, a few of them as well. I think two and oh. two and three. Uh, I wait. I have two. I have four. I have six. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm missing three and five, and but I but I do get jealous. I do have 
generations and first contact like this as well. Yeah. But yeah, all the next generation movies came out like that as well. Well, oh, you have them? I, <laughs> oh, wow. Yes. Yeah. Well, except for except for well, the only one I don't have and I found uh at the thrift store. Mhm. Is Nemesis. Ooh, it doesn't have it's it's not the you know, it doesn't have the met the metallic case. Yeah, the, that's the one I see in, in the shops, but I've never picked it up. This is just the normal. So so these ones, these were all special editions that came out in 2003. And when these okay. came out, they they stopped producing this kind, the single disc uh kind. When did Nemesis come out? In 2002 2002 okay yeah so this was out for like a year and then they they trash it and even though it's not a very good movie i still wanted to see it to complete finishing watching all the star trek movies and i couldn't find it anywhere i could have mm. downloaded it but whatever it was there at the store for three dollars now here's the part where I really should have stopped myself because I didn't have that movie. It made sense to buy that one. What made no sense is for me to continue and carry on buying movies. I already have like mm -hmm. star Trek two and star Trek three and star Trek four mm -hmm. and star Trek five. All right. They didn't have uh, six or uh, uh, the motion picture. So those are pre two thousand three releases. Yeah. So what? Do I, which one did I grab here? Yeah. So this is four. Mm -hmm. This one came out in two thousand three, and then this is what they came out before. Oh, rocket sauce! You are right on time. <laughs> came here just for the Star Trek talk, man. That's that's the thing. Look at that. That's that's the A right there. Isn't mm. that giving away the ending right there? That's the uh, Star Trek Four. Mm -hmm. It gives away the ending. Oh well, uh, yeah, true. <laughs> I mean, anyone who bought yeah. this probably had already seen the movie, but jeez, well, you never know. I, I've got that Planet of the Apes DVD where the cover is the Statue of Liberty. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. but the, it did. It does come with like a few extra things. Little things. I like things. And then you get uh, some. Paramount Pictures, price to own collect. You get the, the little catalog in here that they used to throw in. Yeah, the that's the one thing I miss uh, in buying like Blu-rays and stuff now. Yeah, sometimes there's absolutely nothing in there. Most of the time, yeah, there's nothing. Yeah, but uh, or, or if there is something, it's some little insert about the DVD, like <laughs> just uh, how to clean it or something. Well, even but, these yeah, ones, these like these special editions, I, I might be missing it, but uh, yeah, I think there was some kind of insert chapter list, something like that. Yeah, this one had had some artwork in there, so that, that's pretty cool. Okay, let's let's totally entertain everybody. Can you tell me the list of features on your motion picture? <laughs> There's a lot. There's a lot on here. Uh, I don't, uh, why do you make me read in the dark? Okay, so you got the widescreen. I just want to know what I'm missing. Well, you're probably missing. You're probably missing everything on disc two. Disc one 
has mm-hmm. it's the widescreen movie, right? Some audio subtitles, and then on the the movie disc itself, you get a group commentary with Robert Wise mm-hmm. and uh, the effects director. Super, I remember listening to that music composer Jerry Goldsmith, uh, and actor Stephen Collins shows up. Okay, uh, and then there's a text uh, commentary by those Star Trek encyclopedia nerds. Oh, the Michael Okuda guy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So that's disc one. And then on disc okay. two, that, that's good. All right. Yeah, because that's exactly what's on <laughs> yeah. that. Okay. Okay. So, point proven. Yes, I'm missing yeah. this. Too. Yeah, this two has a bunch of deleted scenes uh, from the 1983 TV version. Then more deleted scenes from the 1979 TV version. Ooh. Eight television commercials. Uh, the trailers. Uh, director's edition trailer promo spots new retrospective documentary with cast and crew interviews but i'm pretty sure those are all on the blu-rays as well if you get the blu-rays yeah i haven't stepped up for those yet i'm still trying to find a a nice set i do scour i do scour amazon though occasionally looking for like little deals occasionally something will pop up case in point uh yesterday just before I went to bed, I ordered a copy of Ernest Goes to Jail on Blu-ray. Ernest Goes to Jail made it to Blu-ray? Apparently. Those Ernest movies are really hard to find over here. I look for hard to find everywhere. And they're super expensive, like when you see them pop up. Yeah. Uh, but then that one, one copy only available, uh, I imagine, in the entire country. Uh, and, and it was like seven bucks. I was like, wow, oh, yes. Give me Ernest. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. But yeah, I, I would love to get the the four good Ernest movies: Christmas, Scared Stupid, Camp, and Jail. Well, I have Christmas on DVD, but I think that's the. I don't think it ever came out on Blu-ray. Hmm. Yeah, some of those. Um, I, I've seen some compilations. It's like the best of Ernest, but it's all the the later stuff. Yeah. The army and, and yeah. things like that. And I've heard nothing but terrible things, mostly from Curtis. But uh, yeah, I'm just trying to get those. I do still have a preservation copy of Scared Stupid from when we did that. Right. Mm. Cool. Mm. Well, I just wanted to share my Star Trek DVDs with you. Mm. That was all. <clears throat> that was no wonderful. reason to buy them, but they they just they were there for three dollars, you know. And it's like Some... they got the full thing you know you can look at the pictures online right you can just sit there and look at the photos online you don't need these but for some reason you're just compelled to buy them you kind of do need them (laughs) do i yeah you you go in the past you used to go to the um like the rental shops and stuff blockbuster video type stores and and look around there wasn't that fun just going through the shelf and looking at all the different pictures and stuff yeah yeah. That's why we put the shelves in our houses, so you can yeah. do that. You can just look around, which I'm I'm getting nervous because a lot of the uh, movie rental places that everyone is surprised are, are still operating here. Uh, the, in our area, a couple of them have been shutting down, a couple of the really big ones. So I, I imagine that the rental shops may be disappearing here finally. What's Sauce doing at the airport? <laughs> Desperately trying to get away from the Star Trek talk. Is he? <laughs> I hope he's not in Ukraine trying to get out of there. <laughs> he's in serious trouble. 
Jeez. Oh man, where are you going, Sauce? Mm. Or where are you coming back from? This guy's a globe trotter. He's all over the place. Yeah, him and Dean. Or, yeah, yep. Dean was just—I uh, don't know where he was for his anniversary. He was posting pictures of freezing in the snow somewhere. Yeah, I had to shovel the driveway again today. That was my adventure. I went outside, Ooh. shovel the driveway. Sauce flying to Tampa. There you go. What? Oh, is it, I see a snowbird. Here. It's winter. Uh, winter's almost over. He should be coming back from Tampa. Well, you go. You go at some point in the winter to get away from it. Today would have been a good day to get away from. Get away from the winter. Yeah, first vacation since 2019. Well, yeah. I haven't. <laughs> I couldn't tell you the last time I had a vacation. The last time I went on a vacation, vacation like to, like somewhere tropic was 2010, 2010. Mm. Sarah and I's 10th anniversary Ooh. and then we meant to do something for our 20th anniversary but the entire world was uh, locked down so hmm. we'll get there eventually maybe yeah. or we'll be speaking uh, Russian very soon it's it's one or the other it could swing either way oh my goodness world news huh <laughs> we, we sure got a lot of it isn't it great we just got out of this pandemic we're crawling out of this pandemic. Then we get all these truckers, and then we get these truckers all in line finally. And then the next day, boom, all this goes down. It's mm. Stupid, it's stupid Putin. Hey, hey, in better news, I also got a copy of what's this movie? Oh, I, well, it's got a predator helmet on it. That's right. So I, I imagine it's got to be the uh, Predators. No, it's just the plain Robert old Rodriguez one. What is that? Is it, oh, it's a cardboard jacket. Yeah, so I found this. I, I always find, like, even though I have, I think, six copies of Predator, I'd never seen this one before. When you find a neat cover, you got to get it. I'm starting to see you're you're rubbing off on me with your, because I, I saw this. And I'm like, I'm there, this looks so cool. So I ended yeah. up grabbing it. And I, uh, I think it came out like the Alien versus Predator years because there is a, a poster in here a little poster alien versus predator poster nice and i you guess you're supposed to send away your door get some movie cash send a way Ooh. to get your tickets I like movie cash yeah remember when they used to do that i if do not a, remember what movie cash is you'd used to buy like if you bought a dvd for you know predator and then you could get a few dollars off to see the new movie in the theater. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I remember getting, uh, sometimes they'd do it, um, like, uh, yeah, free movie ticket, discount ticket, yeah. free popcorn, something like that. Yeah. Now you get nothing. You get a bunch of nothing. I didn't know we were going to be showing things to the camera, so I didn't prepare anything. I, ca I can show these, though. Uh because I just recently got these. Um, I, I had uh, my John Wick mm -hmm. for a while, but I didn't have the sequel. So I got um, two from England and uh, three from from North America. Nice. Yeah. They're working on four right now, aren't they? Apparently. Yeah. Apparently. And uh, John Wick 3, by the way, is the 
the last movie that I ever saw in a movie theater. And I'm not sure if I'll ever go back. Yeah, I'm, I'm saying last one I saw was the last Avengers movie. The big one. The big one. Yeah. Hmm. That was it. I haven't been hmm. in the theater since. Yeah, I'm I'm uh, I'm I'm kind of good with that. I don't know if I can go back because I like pausing. I like going to the toilet. I got it. Yeah. And I got a good sound system and nice big screen. Hmm. Mm. I mean, it was just like we would go like just for something to do, I guess. And it, the other thing. Well, too, you, did, you didn't have the option back then, you know? Oh, yeah. Back then. No, I mean, like even like going to see the Avengers movies and that a few years ago. Mm-hmm. But the, uh, like a theater for us is twenty minutes away, twenty minute drive, and you get there. yeah. I like to show up early, you know. I I like to get there like a half hour early, and then mm. uh, the movie is like three and a half hours long now. So it's like a whole afternoon just to watch a movie, whereas right. I can watch three movies in that time if I just stayed home. Right. Toss mm. is triple vaccinated, so he's. All ready for Batman next week. Oh yeah, that's right. That's coming out. Oh, the, Batman. the Batman. The Batman. The Batman. The oh. Batman. Well, I can wait. Like, look at that. What was the movie a couple months ago? Ghostbusters Afterlife. Walking in the library. Boom. There it is. DVD. Hmm. I didn't have to go to the theater to see it. Just watched it for free. I watched uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife. How did you enjoy Ghostbusters Afterlife, Richard? <laughs> The plan was, <laughs> the plan was, uh, I figured, well, this happened close to two weeks ago. It was like right after our, our recording, like a day or so after news of, watching for Pepsi what and movie trivia. <laughs> Sauce says, Kevin must love watching commercials for Pepsi and doing movie trivia. I do not. I look at my phone until the movie comes on. Uh, so about two weeks ago is when you decided to watch Afterlife and then you murdered Ivan Reitman. Yeah. Uh, so I figured, all right, I'll also watch this, but we're not going to talk about it for two weeks. I'll wait until we get a bit closer. So it's fresh in my head. And then I completely forgot. I was going to send you a message earlier this week, but I thought, nah, he's, he's probably watched it. I totally he forgot. Seemed, he seemed pretty eager to watch it, so he's probably seen it. I, I am curious because I, my goal was to not watch anything. I was avoiding trailers. I was avoiding any of the, you know, comments and or, or any like t- TV clips and stuff. So I just wanted to wait for the movie to be available and then I watch it. And then every day since it came out, it's like, here's a little thing on YouTube. Here's a little thing on Twitter. People just posting this and that and everything. Yeah. So I kind of feel like I've been exposed to everything that was supposed to be a, ho ho, look at this. So some of the excitement fizzled. I've heard a lot of people say, you know, they enjoyed it more than they thought they would. I've, I, I imagine some people were not happy with it. Um, are you ready to talk about it right now? Yeah, we, or, we can talk. Or, Why not? Okay, then before you start talking about it, let me tell you everything that I know about the film, having unintentionally absorbed the information. Mm. Are we so we're gonna get into spoilers like right off the top? Th- that's what I'm gonna say is 
I imagine most people uh, have already watched it or know about it, or at the very least, they know we're about to talk about it, so they have the choice of listening or not. Okay, well, I will say, if you haven't seen it and mm. you plan on watching it, this movie is pretty much impossible to talk about without talking about the ending. Mm-hmm. So stop the podcast, watch the movie, and then listen to the rest after you've seen the movie. Not that I think the movie. <laughs> I think that the movie is worth the watch, but uh, <laughs> it might be for you because a lot of people do like the movie. Okay. Okay. So everything that I know about the movie, yeah, uh, I did see the teaser trailer way back when, where it's uh, Ecto One in like a barn or something. Somebody's trying to start it up. Yeah. Paul Rudd and kids. I know yeah. that. Uh, the kids. Uh, I don't know all of them, but some of them are Egon's grandkids. One of them is. Okay. So we got uh, oh the lineage of Ghostbusters. Wait a minute. Two of them are. Two of them are. Okay. I think. So the younger generation descendants of Ghostbusters. um, People are in that weird zone of they don't know if they believe the stories of what happened. Is is that part of this? Yeah, it's a little bit like in Ghostbusters 2 at the beginning where everyone sort of forgot what happened five years ago. Right. Or they believe it was a hoax or, or something like that. Yeah, which kind of makes a little more sense because there, there is, is it 30 years? Yeah, th- no, 40 years, 40 years, or it's like 38 years or whatever since the last one. So it makes a little more sense. Right. Okay. Yeah, Sauce um, is right. It's the nerd girl and the stranger's kids boy is. Um, I don't know what that means. Um, Terror Dogs, Gozer, mm-hmm. little mini Stay Puffed Marshmallow things. Mm-hmm. Um. And I guess the, the the big one is the thing. Maybe I'm guessing this is at the end. The reveal is uh, that ghost. <laughs> <laughs> that ghost. Say you might as well say it now. We're we're in spoilers. So stop the podcast right now. We're just gonna go with a spoiler. Uh, the it. the ghost of Egon Spangler with a beard to make yeah. it easier to do CGI. Yeah. Okay. That's what yeah. I know. So I don't yeah. know. Uh, is the story just completely looping like things that happened before, you know, just bringing back all the the classic bits? No. Well, the, is the yeah, story. Sure. Well, you said you don't recommend watching it. So I'm guessing uh, very little of it was interesting for you. Or did you at least get some like, hey, that was neat to see again or. There was, was cool seeing this and that. There was one moment in the movie where I just felt the warm fuzz of nostalgia just wave over me. You know, there was just like, oh, that's so that is that's so cool. That's so cool. And then it went away as fast as it showed up. It was just like <laughs> gone. It's this is, I really wish you would have seen it because this would have been fun to talk to you about. But uh, maybe after my analysis, it would be fun for you to watch it and see see if you agree. It's a weird movie because it's it's not a bad movie. 
it's just a weird movie that's trying to do like two things at once and it starts mm. off as one movie and then shifts gears and goes in a completely different direction part of it i think is because this movie really had two directors jason reitman is the mm -hmm. director but he had ivan reitman his dad sitting beside him the director of the original two ghostbusters films sitting beside him uh giving him input constantly Mm -hmm. So it seemed like as if there was a bit of this struggle of I want to do this homage to my dad while doing a Jason Reitman film at the same time. And it mm -hmm. doesn't really it doesn't really mesh together very well. It's not a funny movie by any stretch. Like there's like I didn't I'll, I will say like I watched it with Sarah and she loved it. She she really enjoyed it. Um, but for me, who has like basically the first movie. I can just replay it in my head. I don't need to see it again. It's just all there. There was just so many things in the movie that just felt a little off. And I don't know if it's because I have seen the original movie so many times. Like, for instance, they, they use Elmer Bernstein's original score in this movie and rarely, if ever, deviate from it. So you're mm -hmm. seeing a lot of scenes in this movie with the same soundtrack as the original movie. That makes right, any the sense. soundtrack that was created for yes. specific scenes and moments, exactly, and a exactly. Specific tone of a different exactly, tone. like you know, like for instance, you know, when they when the Ghostbusters walk in, in the first movie, when they walk into the library, and the slime is on the the library cards that are flipped mm -hmm. over, and they walk in, and that sound effect of what as as the slime is dripping down. And Elmer Bernstein puts in this little, like just this little sound effect, you know, as you're watching it, the slime to, to you know, just to give it that little extra oomph. That's that's what movie scores do. Right. And to hear that sound played verbatim in this movie in a scene that has absolutely nothing to do with slime dripping or anything. It's just mm. it was just really odd for me to sit like it's it just felt off. And then there were scenes in the movie that were exact replicas of the first movie and they used the exact same soundtrack. So for instance, th there is a, a certain so song that he plays or music that Elmer Bernstein plays in the background when Dana and uh, Lewis Tully are turned into terror dogs, right? Okay. Mm -hmm. You got the electricity and it's a thing. Mm -hmm. There's two characters in this new movie that turn into terror dogs and it's the exact same a score behind it and mm -hmm. I just i don't know it just felt a little off now i understand like they do this all the time in tv like if if you want a really uh blatant example uh just watch like the first 10 episodes of star trek i think those are the only episodes that they actually did the score for and then like every other episode after that it, they just keep aping the same score from right. the, the original but that i don't know if just it feels natural in television because well it's expensive you gotta do that every week you don't have as big as a budget yeah you gotta, I, I, you gotta start doing the he-man thing and just <laughs> have right. throw boulders every week right and it just it feels natural intelligent probably just because i'm accustomed to it you know i'm just accustomed to like you see the enterprise and it's the dun, 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 dun. like they didn't have a band playing that every single episode right they just like they played it once and then they would play that song over and over again. So it feels natural, but it just feels really weird in a movie like this. And I like even like something like 
uh, Star Wars, you know, when the, when you see the em- Empire, right in the in the Empire Strikes Back, and the whole that whole song plays, right? Dun, 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 dun. And it's like you know Darth Vader's walking through the ship and everything. And that song just plays and plays, and that's the only time that they do that. And then every other time that you see the Empire, they just they give you a little taste of that, you know, and then they move on to its own. It moves on to its own score. You know, right. John Williams just isn't there playing his greatest hits, right? It moves on to its, and then it just—I don't know—it was really weird to see it in this movie. Uh oh, I'm complaining about the Venom movies. I don't know what that means. Well, Kevin sounds like me complaining. Oh, about oh. <laughs> so you're nitpicking these the way Sauce uh, hates on those Venom. Well, to movies. me, I don't know. To me, it wasn't a nitpick because it really—I don't know. I, it just made me feel uncomfortable. It was one of those things that I just couldn't like. Every time I'd hear it, it was just like, oh, that's really weird. It like, sounds to me like um, a good example uh, is the Seinfeld intro. Uh, when, when you watch Seinfeld, when Jerry would do his monologue in the, the, the comedy club set at the beginning of every uh, episode, the music would change every single episode because yeah. they had to match the music to his timing for the jokes, which right. changed every single time. So even though it sounds kind of similar, like they're using the same uh, notes and things that, that, you know, the one everybody knows but they would alter it to match the setting because it would not work well if it was the same music cues, but then suddenly the timing was all off. You know, it was not punctuating the jokes and, and pausing and waiting. So sounds kind of like this, where if they had taken uh, a lot of the original music or maybe like the same instruments and, and tried to hit the same notes and everything, but you arrange it for this new scene and the new tone, in, in, in an appropriate way instead of just copy paste just throw it over yeah. like i guess another example would be the the video game the video game does the exact same thing it uses all the that elmer bernstein score throughout the video game but mm-hmm. and, and even and that's one of the complaints i have about the video game is that the music doesn't always exactly fit what's going mm. on you know it, it doesn't it doesn't always fit yeah exactly. well and the difference in a, in a video game, I think it's a little easier to blur the lines because you're not yes. getting those precise moments of exactly. you know, now we're in a close up, now we're looking at this. Well, because the user is in control of what's happening for, for the right. most part, right? So of course the music isn't going to to fit, which is it, it's a little bit of a complaint. Like that move that music was designed for a movie, it's not really designed for a video game, and that's why it doesn't fit. But it's kind of forgivable because it's two different median so you kind of get it right mm-hmm. whereas in this they could have made it like its own thing like ghostbusters 2 has its own soundtrack it has its own oh, there's <laughs> did ghostbusters 2 do this with the music I, as i was supposed to say no it's a completely different uh guy who did the music for ghostbusters 2 and that's a really good that's an underrated uh soundtrack as far as i'm concerned as well but and they don't touch any of elmer bernstein's score in the second film because it, it, it just wouldn't fit, right? And I don't know. To do it in this movie, it just it felt a little off. Um, now, again, like the movie starts off and it's kind of it's like a, it's like a family drama, you know. It's um, it's like a Jason Reitman film where this uh, Egon's daughter is moving out to the country because she lost her job, she has no money, and uh, her father dies. Egon dies. Spoiler alert. And uh, 
he leaves her uh, this this house. So they're going out to the country to move in this house and possibly live out uh, out there in this house. And that's where the kids discover that Egon was actually covering up uh, the return of Gozer. Gozer was trying to find another way into our, our world. And Evo Shandor, the guy who built the building in New York City in the first film, is, you know, he, he created the all the metal that he used to make uh, the building in New York city, the skyscraper, it was a special type of uh, material that was, that he found in this mountain and he dug out this mountain. And uh, when I, I, I don't know, I'm unclear on how this hole in the ground all of a sudden became the gateway for Gozer to come in, but I don't know, I guess they kind of explain it some way or something, but um and then it, you know, then it shifts gears because they have to get the original Ghostbusters into the movie. So it's that for like, I don't know, it was like an hour and 45 minutes. And then the last 15 minutes, it switches. Over. Yeah, it's a long movie, too. They can't make short movies anymore. Um, and then the last, you know, 15 minutes, the original Ghostbusters come in. And it's kind of weird because yeah, they want the original Ghostbusters in, but they you're kind of you built up these characters as the one that are supposed to save the day, but how are the ghostbusters going to come in and save the day when these characters need to save the, it's just, a, it's a mess. Like it just doesn't, doesn't gel. Like it's trying to make everybody happy. And the result yeah. is somewhere. Yeah. Like there are characters in this movie that have absolutely no purpose that go absolutely nowhere. Um, so like there's, there, there are two kids, like there's um, a stranger, stranger things, kid, uh, the kid from Stranger Things, he plays the brother of the nerdy girl. Uh, she's like super smart, right? She's like, uh, you know, real spinoff of, of Egon. She, you know, it's they they it, they kind of go too far with it, but whatever. It is what it is. She's like a super smart kid. I'm not sure why her brother's there. Her brother, I even forgot that she that he was the brother. Um, like he just kind of serves no purpose whatsoever. It was almost like, well. We can get one of the kids from Stranger Things in this movie, so let's do that. And I mean, he fixes up Ecto One for some reason. You never figure out why, and he starts driving that around. And I don't know; it just doesn't make sense. And then there was a kid called Podcast. His name is Podcast because he has a podcast. He's the friend. He's he came across to me as the kid, a lot like the kid from the movie Up, where he just, you know, Russell. Yeah. Yeah, but Russell's like he's just like character. Russell is a great character. Podcast, not so much. So, anyways, the Stranger Kids thing, Stranger Kid, Stranger Things kid <laughs> has a girlfriend in the movie. I have no idea why. They start building up to where like they have this relationship and all that, and then it just goes nowhere. It was like, what was the point of that? I don't, I don't know. There's the the mother in the film, like every like it's like all the characters in the movie were just kind of MacGuffins. Like they just, they come in, they have like certain purposes. And then if they needed to, them to switch gears into something else, they would just give like even Egon. Egon is a total MacGuffin in this movie. Like it makes no sense. Anything that he ever did in this movie was just a total betrayal of the original character because the kid, so he has this, this daughter apparently who's at least, 40 so that means in the original movie egon would have had to have like a toddler child in the first movie that he never mentions at all 
in the hmm. first or second movie. Never brings up once that he's got a kid. And she has two kids. And now, you know, and now they're the, the grand. And I, so for some reason, at some point after Ghostbusters 2, Egon uh, figures out that this evil Shandor has this plan to with this mine where he dug out all the ore to build the, the, the statue. And he figures out that evil Shandor has a backup plan to bring Gozer through this hollowed out mountain to bring evil to bring Gozer back into our world. So Egon figured this out for some reason, and they never explain it. Ray, Winston, and Peter don't believe Egon. The guy who has been always the guy who, who's come up with the bones of the plan, and then Peter and Ray would kind of build on it, they don't believe him for some reason. Out of all the fantastical things that they've done together, they don't buy into his thing. So Egon gets pissed off and takes all the Ghostbusters equipment, goes out to the desert to stop Evo Shandor by himself. But doesn't quite make it there and then uh or to stop Gozer from so for some reason some ghost comes out of the mountain and and kills Egon, but Egon's got like this backup machine in the mountain that shoots every time the ghosts try to rise up from the, uh, uh, from this hole that it's in the ground, the proton streams like fire into the hole to keep them down. And it's like an automatic machine that keeps running. So why at some point does Egon, like after he builds this thing, you know, and he's got the hole in the ground with the ghosts coming up, why at some point he doesn't like call up Ray and say, Ray, I know you don't believe me, but there's like a hole. If you just come out here, there's a hole in the ground with the ghosts coming up, and I'm, I'm keeping them down. I'm keeping the ghosts down there. So if you just come on over and look, you can see for yourself what's going on. I, it makes no sense why Ray would not go and check that out. Yeah. The Egon Stole off the... on his own thing feels similar to the um, extreme Ghostbusters when, when Egon was you know, kind of mentoring the, the younger generation. So this, uh, so they don't reference the uh, video game at all? Any of the events? No, of the game? no, 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 no. No, that's not so Sasha's saying, I think he pissed them off after the business went under. I, the business went under before. It went under in between Ghostbusters 1 and 2. <laughs> I don't understand why. The business going under is the whole story. <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's them trying to run their business. I, I, it, it just makes zero sense to me why egon would like why would egon be pissed egon never got angry i mean it, peter was practically slapping him around in those two movies hmm. he never got he never got angry in the second movie he's like hammering on his head on the thing <laughs> egon just took it you know so uh no no memorable lines no funny moments no little no. ha ha ha's there is a ghostbusters 2 reference uh in the movie saw says there isn't any but there is uh raise a cult ray is still working at the bookstore all right yeah um so no rick moranis no rick moranis no no, no janos nope no oh. uh none of the the only thing from ghostbusters 2 that is mentioned is raise a cult books that's it mm. no river of slime no Vigo, no walking Statue of Liberty. 
zero. Gotcha. Um, oh, so anyways, you think, but, you think people would remember that? So I, I'm not done with Egon. <laughs> he's like, so like his character. So he apparently he goes crazy. He's off in the, the mountains. He writes. So you remember when in the first movie when Winston and Ray are talking about the end end of times, the end of world, mm-hmm. right? And yep. uh, Ray says that quote from the Bible, right? Right. To Winston, and the dead rise from the grave. All that stuff, right? For some reason. Egon builds or buys this farmhouse so in the middle of nowhere. It's a thing. And he sp- crazily spray paints on a bunch of junk before you, like on the driveway going up the thing. That whole thing that Ray says from the Bible. In, in And it, it makes no sense. Why would Egon, who doesn't seem like a religious guy, maybe he is. I don't know. Uh, but why would he, he is hard that, science? Why would he pull that quote that Ray said? See, and it's just one of those things where it's like, oh, I remember that quote from the first movie when Ray said that. And like that's just supposed right. like it's just pandering to 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 you, you know? Like it it doesn't make any sense. Like I just watched this uh the the Ricky Ricardo or the Ricardo and uh Lucy Lucille Ball movie. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's it's great movie about uh, part of it, parts of the movie are great about how they would put that TV show together and how Lucy would really uh, not never want to insult the audience. Right. And never want to do something like that was totally out of character. The writers would come up with ideas and she would like, no, it makes no sense for this character to come in here and not be able to like even something as simple as Ricky comes into the room and Lucy doesn't hear him. And she's like, we've done like 30 episodes already. Lucy always hears him when he comes into the room. You're going to have mm-hmm. to do something in order to make it believable that he could come into the, because they have a small apartment in the show, that he could come into the apartment and she wouldn't hear him, you know? And that would be like, right. oh, you know, like, don't worry about it. She like, she would insist on stuff like that, you know? Because mm-hmm. you can't insult the audience because the audience knows, right? They They love these characters. They watch these characters. So it's just kind of like, such a sloppy thing to have Egon put that there. Now it's something that maybe most people wouldn't even care about. Most people wouldn't even know. Maybe I'm a super nerd and super, you know, like, but I don't know. I just find that stuff. Like, it's just really pandering. Like you're not like there's the symmetrical book stacking in, in the, in, in Egon's uh, uh, cottage or whatever in that, in that farmhouse. And it's mm-hmm. like, why is it there? I don't know. It's just in the background. They just have the stacked books there just so you can say, Oh yeah, I remember that from the first movie. You know, but anyways, so everyone hates Egon and all that. He's a terrible father because she, you know, the, the daughter hate because she he basically abandoned her for some reason. They never really explain it. Part of it has to do with this obsession, I guess, he has with uh, Gozer and stopping Gozer from coming back to Earth again. But they never explain, like, if he was a good father during the whole 80s and Ghostbusters years or anything like that and then he left or whatever I don't know they're just estranged for some reason but uh you gotta have this sweet ending right you can't treat Harold Ramis like you, you gotta he's gotta be re- redeemed by the by the end of the movie so he comes back as a ghost and everything's forgiven for for some reason it's all just forgiven everyone's forgotten everything they're all like oh it's good it's good you're back 
Fox will probably like what happens to Winston. I don't, I actually liked what happened to Winston. Don't don't spoil Winston stuff for me. The from what you've said, the the last fifteen minutes is the only part of the movie I'm interested in. So don't spoil that for me. Yeah. Well, I would say like after the like it it's, does that Marvel movie thing right where there's credits. You'll want to stay for the the after credits and then for the again like there's a little nugget right at the end of the movie that you're gonna okay. want to get to okay. um i don't know the the film itself i you know i was interested in it years ago when i first started hearing about it and everything but yeah I, i've kind of like everything the hype fizzles and you just kind of like ah, eh, it's probably just a mediocre thing uh so that whatever the film is fine i'll, I'll watch it at some point what really kind of has been digging in my head, though, is ever since I found out about the, the Egon thing, it's just one of those, like, eh, you're using somebody after they die, you're CGI, putting them back into a movie. That that part is really what feels kind of funny uh, to me. When I heard about that, I was like, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know the relationship they all had. I don't know if that's something that Harold Ramis would be like, yeah, totally, you know, go ahead and do that with me. Because the the idea of a ghost Ghostbuster has been around since the '90s or whatever. That was one of the potential ideas of getting Bill Murray to do a third one. Is like right. you know that he would come as a ghost, but he was of course alive and you know a, a willing participant in theory. If they were to do that, this is just taking somebody's likeness and then forcibly you know putting them in a movie. It's it's like when they used to do those um, commercials in the 90s or 2000s. They put like Frank Sinatra or, you know, some dead celebrity into like Pepsi commercials or something. Yeah, it was the, the Forrest Gump thing, right? That did it first. Where yeah, they yeah, 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 that kind like, of thing. Yeah, into like a, a thing with Elvis or something like that. Right. And they ran right. they ran with it with the commercials. I will say like, you know, they, they've been doing this like well, – well, which one there was one of the star wars movies where they had carrie fisher in it right um but it was like a cg young it was carrie a fisher. cg carrie fisher yeah and it looked really bad i will say the effect of putting harold ramus in the movie looked really good and plus it also helped from the fact that he was ghost right so he constantly has like well, this glow on him so it doesn't look as, like well, you, you're, you're not, not supposed to buy him as a living individual, like right? The, like the Grand Moff Tarkin and Princess Leia, right? Exactly. Right. So having him a little transparent, having this glow around him and all that, kind of sold the effect uh, a little mm -hmm. better. Plus, uh, as my buddy Frank pointed out to me uh, in a text the other day, he's like, when he watched it, he was like, I was so afraid that they were going to make him talk, and it was going to be some other actor saying lines of dialogue or they would take lines of dialogue from a deleted scene or something like that and insert it in there and i'm like you know i can't i can't argue with that at least they had the decency he never says a word throughout the okay. whole thing right. so at least they had the decency to do that because that would have been really bad uh rocket sauce asks if they say what peter was doing peter returned to academia was the only thing uh we got uh mark young mark hamill looked pretty good in the boba fett show haven't seen it spoiler alert oh my god that's sauce that's on sauce i did not uh know where that uh statement was going so i hope not everyone's not arguing i'm not upset 
about that. Hmm. Anyways, um, yeah, all in all, it's of course it's better than the 2016 movie. Um, but that was that's such a low bar to go over. I mean, I, I, the worst Marvel movie is best than, better than that movie. Uh, you, you know, that thing's crap. I think, you know, it, there's no comedy in it, really, until the Ghostbusters show up and then they do their because they do their thing, which I, I'm sorry, but comedy is like a huge part of those movies. Um, and it, but, you know, I, and I understand they did that in the 2016 movie, but it was just bad comedy. It was comedy that didn't fit the action sci-fi uh, world. Um, Sauce says it's only a tease. I could probably get you to watch the show. I, I really have no desire to watch any Star Wars. I'm done with the whole Star Wars mm -hmm. thing. I don't care what it, I don't care what character they bring back. They could bring back, I don't know, Hammerhead. Remember that guy. Yeah, I do. I used to yeah. have the action figure. Right. Yeah, they could bring that back. <laughs> that guy I still wouldn't care. I'm sure he's in there somewhere. Yeah. All in the backgrounds. Anyways, I don't know. It wasn't like a complete, you know, flub or whatever. I'm I'm sure if you're not really into Ghostbusters, you might get some more enjoyment out of it or something. But for me, I just just wasn't uh, I didn't even think it was a good movie in terms of movie you know what i mean like if, even if it was just like a, a passable movie that you could watch and say well you know it's not perfect but it's a movie hmm. there's just no good characters in it nothing nothing for me there oh that's okay and before i before i forget we got to talk about the mini stay puff marshmallow man because let me tell you if there was ever a scene and this will be the last thing i say about it we'll move on after this but if there was ever a scene in a movie that was completely wedged in and out of nowhere it is that mini state park they had to have seen that mandalorian show and saw baby yoda and said we gotta go reshoot a couple of scenes and stick in some mini marshmallow men because at no point in the movie or mini marshmallow men ever mentioned prior to the scene or after to the scene. It is just so bizarre hmm. how it's in there. And you, somebody conjures up a hundred foot uh, entity of your mascot and it, you know, destroys a bunch of Manhattan and you still stick to that, still stick to that mascot. You're still holding on to that mascot to sell your marshmallows it made no sense but basically paul rudd uh he he walks into a walmart for some reason uh to buy some some ice cream and that's where he runs into the the terror dog and they pretty much ape the uh terror dog scene with lewis tully in the apartment where it chases him around um but you can so so tell like i was just like okay we gotta do this marshmallow scene who are we gonna? How are we gonna raise the money to do this thing? Oh, we'll we'll tie it in with Walmart. We'll have Paul Rudd going to Walmart to buy ice cream for some reason. Why this little town that doesn't seem to have anything has a Walmart? I don't know. But anyways, he goes in there, and then the little marshmallow men do their thing exactly what you see in the little snippets that they put on the, the Twitter and all that stuff. And then that's it. That's the only mention of them. Then they're gone. 
They, you never see them again. Hmm. All of the Ghostbusters re-released merch was all snagged by scalpers. I could never get Ecto Cooler, Serial, or real Ghostbusters toys. Well, there you go. I, I did see a few of them when I went to Walmart. I remember going down the aisle, and it was He-Man, Ghostbusters, and Transformers. Kids don't have their own things anymore. But I wasn't interested. I didn't. I didn't buy any of it. All right, that's that's the universal sign that Richard is tired of talking about Ghostbusters. <laughs> oh, I, I'm not tired of talking about Ghostbusters. I talk about Ghostbusters all day long. Uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife, I can't comment on. <laughs> no, I'm done. That was it. That was the last thing I had to say. I had to get that thing out, off my chest. Speaking of wedged-in scenes, though, it reminds me of uh, a scene from Wayne's World 2, which I finally watched. Took me a. Uh, You've never 20, seen it before? 20, 29 years. I finally wow. watched I just bought Wayne's World 1. It came out on a Steelbook Blu ray, but I forgot to bring it down Ooh. to show you. Yeah, it was $8.99 on Amazon. Oh, and I'm like, damn it, I don't have that movie. Now I got it. Yeah, Wayne's World, the original, is one of my favorite comedies of all time. I think it's fantastic. Years old. I think it's perfect. It's executed so well. And then I, I never got around to seeing part two. I was in the shop the other day, and uh, I found a copy. I was like, hey, I am finally going to watch this. And I knew, going into it, a lot of people said it wasn't as good as the original. So I knew, like, all right, I, I shouldn't set my sights too high, and I'm kind of over any kind of Wayne's World hype that there might be. So mm -hmm. I just watch it. But e even so, it was still a bit of a disappointment. Like, I, I, I set my sights pretty low, but it... Man, that movie was that movie was cheap and poorly directed. Yeah, a couple, it's, a couple of nice moments. I, I can't hate on it too much. It's just a Wayne's World movie, but it, it was really disappointing. It was it felt so sloppy and cheap and aimless. Just rehash all the same gags, which I can't even be too upset about that because the original Wayne's World does a lot of the same things it's just done better where there's a lot of little things that go nowhere little sides that have no purpose but it's funny and it and it's well directed and even the austin powers movies you know it's the same basically the same shtick over and over but it, but they find new ways to make it entertaining uh, wayne's world 2 was just Okay, we did this in the first one. We got to do this here. We did the product placement there. Let's do a product placement scene here. Yeah. Uh, we we did the the T one thousand there. We'll we'll have a a Tyrannosaurus from Jurassic Park here. And that's the scene I was talking about. It's like it feels like they were making the movie. Wow, Jurassic Park's big. Let's let's put a scene like that. Oh, you're you're yeah. angering Sauce now. He is a huge Wayne's World two fan. Oh, <laughs> the uh, movie is great. Cassandra, you know they. They had nothing for her to do. It was just yeah, have that. her be in in scenes with uh, Christopher Walken. That's it. Right. Basically, I forgot he was in that movie. <laughs> yeah. It, it, Wayne just needs to put on a concert because he 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 feels bored or he he needs to do something. Like everything felt flat. Uh, the director of the first film, I forget her her name, Penelope Spheres, or, mm -hmm. or 
something. Yeah. Um, you know, she had a background with uh, television, like with uh, music. Like, uh, oh, was like it? She, she uh, yeah, she had done some documentaries with musicians and stuff. So she kind of understood that the, that world, and she had a certain energy to that film. It looked great. This the director to the second film uh, that was like his first feature. And everything is so flat. It's just like a lot of flat two shots. And there's there's no really style or creativity to it. And it was it was off. Garth has his whole side plot of uh, trying to get a girlfriend. And I don't know. And she directed the punk documentary Decline of the Western Civilization, which I have seen. I And the sequel, the metal one, too. So, yeah, okay, that makes sense. Uh, yeah, I don't remember too that much. I remember, of course, Aerosmith, Wayne Stock. Yeah, I think I've they... seen it once, and then the um, there was a whole uh kung fu scene, which yeah, I the, the kung fu was scene wasn't bad. And yeah. you know, the, the first one they did the Bugs Bunny thing where he would speak and then you'd get all the text of what he was saying, like, yeah, uh, you know, he'd say one word and then paragraphs would come up and. They kind of tweaked that to be a dubbing thing mm-hmm. where they were speaking in dub. Like that was a, like a nice little twist. So that scene was fine. Uh, but so much of the other uh, of the rest of the movie is just here's the same joke again. Yeah. But but cheaper and sloppier. That was what sequels were back then. <laughs> yeah. Just, you know, come out with the same stuff again. Do it and, and do it safe. You know. Yeah. I don't know. I, I wasn't it, expecting much. I didn't get much. Yeah. I, I it's think a, that, it's a 90 minute movie. I'm, I'm not that upset about it. All right. Well, and it's 32 years old. No, no. 29, 20, 29 years old now. So oh, there you Sauce is really angry. He loves. He no, loves the jokes, the jokes are not sloppy. The jokes are rehashed. The direction is sloppy. The, the movie just looks cheap and there's no, style there's not good pacing there's not a good setup you know that that first film perfect i i what i remember is it it um didn't feel like uh, uh myers really wanted to do it like it just i don't know it felt it, like it came out one year later so yeah. it was like oh okay, this movie was a hit hurry up make another one yeah uh sauce says there's lots of parody and well done Mm, not well done. Weird Naked Indian and Jim uh, Morrison. <laughs> he's really, he's really into, he's really into Wayne's World too. Who knew? You, 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 I, I'm not hating on it. I, I will watch it again because there are certain parts I want to see uh, again. But um, hmm, did not capture the magic of that first film. Yeah, that first movie is, it's a flawless movie for sure. I mean, I can't find any fault with it. Other than maybe Tia Carrere's music career. Like, I mean, you got to buy into that she's this amazing musician that needs to be signed to a contract when she's not really. Like, I mean, average singer. If you uh, look at all the the big artists of today, how many of them are you going to say are fantastic? No. No, not great singers, but songwriters. They're great songwriters, right? Uh, you know, like Kurt Cobain is not a great singer. Uh, Ozzy Osbourne is not a great singer. 
Uh, but they got the songs. They write the songs, or at least get the. No, people. no, no, no. no. I'm, I'm not talking about people who are like on on the upper levels there. I'm talking about people who have signed contracts and they get up on stage and you're like this person has no talent. Yeah, there's plenty but, of people like that. Cassandra could fit in there somewhere. No, but the the whole thing was that Cassandra was so good, right? Mm -hmm. That she needed to be signed to this this contract because her career uh -huh. was just going to take off because she was so good, and mm -hmm. she needed this. But what and do they I, tell people when they sign them? Like, you're mediocre. You might be able to sell a few records. Hey, tell them why. You're great. You're going well, places. They, I don't think her... If she was that talented of a singer, like, she was... She, the point is, is that the... What they produced in the movie, that song, You Want to Break My Heart, and that and her singing wasn't that great. Where you say, have, oh my god, that's such I have talent. the soundtrack to Wayne's World, and I listen to it. I do too, but I I listened <laughs> to Black Sabbath on that and Jimi Hendrix. I I don't I skip those Tia Carrere songs. I'm saying that she's not that much of a like. That's something that you have to take a leap of faith into believing that what you're seeing and hearing is so good that they would go to these lengths to get her to make to to want to make her into this huge star. When okay. the end result isn't that. It's not like like Sing Street, you know, like the music is so good in that, that you get it. Oh, okay. You know, they're taking stuff from, you know, the, the pop eras and that, but that music is so good that you want to hear that. So that, that does not come across in Wayne's world. That's, That's where I would have to shave a half a point off. It's a perfect move. That. Okay. Well, you, you must really like that Tia Carrere song. <laughs> why, why you want to break my heart, Kevin? Why you want I'm to sorry, but that's that's just, uh, sauce is still going on about uh Colbain has an amazing voice. Oh, I don't think so. <laughs> he's not a he's a he was a good songwriter for that genre, but he does not have like he can't go up there and sing like Pavarotti or something like that. He doesn't have a great voice. It's okay for what he's doing, it fits for what he's doing, it's fine. But he's technically not a great singer. Neither is Ozzy Osbourne. I love Ozzy, but Ozzy is a very like there's a vocal range there, and he can't, you know, come out of it. It's not it's not a knock. It's just the the reality of the situation. Okay. Anyways, are we uh, gonna keep doing Wayne's World two? No, let's World move on from Wayne's World two. Uh, what well, you want to talk about? What do you want to talk about? Do you want to talk about we? Do you want to talk about the Mission Impossible movies? What do you want to talk about? Um, around Christmas time, uh, during winter vacation, uh, my kids wanted to play the Wii again and do the Wii sports and stuff yeah. and it's still hooked up and I'm realizing, Hey, that Wii's pretty cool. That's all I got to say. Okay. Uh, yeah. Wii, game, Wii games are pretty cheap now. Yeah. Uh, I went into the store and I was looking around and I passed by the Wii and I was like, yeah, let me look through here. My kids are playing this thing. I was like, Hey, five bucks, three bucks. What's going on? These these are like uh, bigger titles that are that are cheap now. So I was like, hey, bought some more Wii games. My kids are enjoying them, and I realized that that game's kind of that system's kind of fun. I don't really have a desire to play it, but I get why people were crazy about it. That's it. Yeah. Well, I told you so. That's all I gotta say. Okay. My niece and well, nephew. I, I, I do deal. have it. I did um, put some uh, emulators on there uh, a few years ago. So when we the kids to. aren't playing, I'll go in there and I'll uh, yeah. play Castlevania or something for five minutes. Yeah. Hey, that's perfect. It doesn't take up a lot of space on the on the shelf. It looks nice. 
and uh, they can play their games. I can play my games. Best of both there worlds. Go. There you go. Good times. I like and the you, Wii. But you like the Wii U because you I like something. modding it. I like oh. modding it and uh, unlocking uh, the, it to its uh, full potential. And I did play that uh, Devil's Third game. That's Ooh. a game that uh, it, it was like a, the guy who did, you know, like the, those rebooted Ninja Gaiden games, like one, two, and like Ninja Gaiden Black. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Tecmo. Yeah, uh, yeah. Okay. Right. So after the, those Ninja Gaiden games, he signed on to do uh, a Wii U exclusive game. Mm-hmm. And you know it was it took a while for him it for him to develop it and it finally when he was able to release it Nintendo pretty much just dropped the Wii U so the game came out like very late uh, in its cycle and it and it only got like a release of so many thousand copies or whatever and it's already a game that's like shot up to I don't know I don't know how much it costs to buy that game it's not cheap anyways but uh, I just downloaded it and uh, put it on my modded. Uh, Wii U. It's also uh, infamous for not being a great game um, because it has a lot of technical issues with it, but uh, that's sort of part of the charm. So I did play through it, and it's like a perfect mixture of like awesome and crap. It's like an awesome... It, like It's one of those games where it's like it tries to be a hack and slash and a shooter, and it does neither really well. Um... But it's sort of part of the charm. Just the whole crappiness of the game is just part of its charm. I'm so glad I didn't spend any money on it. I'd be pissed if I spent, you know, the sixty dollars they were asking for it when it first came out. Um, oh, the game. Uh, the game was supposed to come out on the PS3 and 360, but it got canceled. I I thought it was just a a Wii U exclusive. From what I read on the wiki, it it was uh, Nintendo who. Um, help with the uh, uh making of the game so i think it was only supposed to, it was supposed to be a wii u exclusive and then it was supposed to come out on the pc but it was only a multiplayer thing that came out in japan on the pc so oh. when you uh you mod this wii u it's basically just to put on wii u games yeah i mean you can put on other emulators and that um but i mean there's, there's uh, that that was um, my one uh, thought when you uh, posted that you were modding. I was like, oh, are you just throwing like the Nintendo game? games and you know, <laughs> like doing it just to do it? Just I, I thought, you know, maybe you're doing it just for the fun of modding it, just so you can say like, well, I did that. that. Was part of it. That was part of it, and and to play the uh, that uh, uh, Wii U game. There was a couple of Wii U games that. So they're closing down the shop, right? The the online store as well. So mm-hmm. I could have bought it for you know, $30 uh, on the store and downloaded it that way. Um, but the Wii U is like notorious for, like it only has 32 gigs. So that would have taken up like the entire 32 gig slot. So I modded it so I can put the uh, external hard drive to it and then just dump the games right onto the external hard drive instead of using that stupid little thing. Uh, so it kind of unlocks the full potential uh, of the Wii U. And um it's also kind of neat to have the little game pad in my bed and uh, play those uh, little games on the, on the pad. Cause I, I actually put it in the, the bedroom and had it on the TV in the bedroom and play a little bit of that before I go to bed at night. So, hmm. um, so I put that on there. There's a fast racing Neo uh, that that's a Wii U exclusive. That's kind of like, um, 
uh, what's that? Uh, F Zero type of a style of racing game or Wipeout on the PlayStation. Um. Oh, thanks, uh, Rocket hey. Sauce. Thanks, thanks for arguing with us for uh, <laughs> an hour and a half. Have a good flight, Ryan. Enjoy your trip. And, uh, what was the other? Um, I can't remember the other game I downloaded. I did download that Kirby game that came out for it, but it uses all the touch screen controls on the pad, so I didn't didn't play that too much. Um, that's pretty much it. You can do all the Game Boy Advance games on there that came out. Like pretty much anything that came out for the store, you can you can play on there. Um, there's like a a really good version of Super Mario Brothers three uh, because it's the Super Mario Brothers three that came out on um, the Game Boy Advance. So it has okay. like some updated graphics and stuff like that. Um, but the Game Boy Advance, remember it had that e-reader thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So those were like kind of precursors to the Amiibos where you'd buy those these e-reader cards. You'd buy cards for them and you'd swipe them in the e-reader and it would unlock. There would be like extra levels that they made for Super Mario Brothers 3 that were made by Nintendo. Uh, but, you know, you'd have to buy, you had to get the, the Game Boy Advance, then you get the game, then you get the e-reader, then you'd get all these little cards and you'd have to buy, I think there were card packs and you'd get yeah, random it was cards. Like, it was know. like when you buy those uh, trading cards. Right. Know, so what's in, there. in order to collect all those levels, you'd had to get all the cards for it and scan them in there so you can play all the, those levels. Well, they just put them all in that Wii U game hmm. right in there. Like all those extra levels and all that, they're just right in there. So I've been kind of plucking away at that as well. Because um, I, I never played them before. I never played any of those levels before. So what the heck? Hmm. So there, that's it. That's my Wii U story. Giving that uh, old console some life. Yep. I hadn't turned it on since 2017 because <laughs> it, it logs everything, right? So the last right. game I played on it was Breath of the Wild in 2017. The Wii U was the one that used those Amiibo things, right? You had to like put them on that touchpad yep. to scan them or something like it, that. I think the Switch uses them as well. I'm pretty sure the Switch, because they still make them, right? They still make Amiibos. So really? They, they must, yeah, so they must be useful on the Switch. Um, and then the 3DS as well had, like, you had to buy, like, some extra adapter to scan them into the 3DS. Yeah. Uh-oh. <laughs> We're talking <laughs> oh, about gosh. Nintendo. He wants us to move on. Talking positively about Nintendo. Yeah. Well, I'm talking about ripping them off, which is the only way to enjoy Nintendo. There you go. <laughs> it's to rip them off. I could have bought the game or I could have jailbreak the thing. And I mean, yeah, it's still like it's but it's like, oh, they're closing the shop. So it's kind of like abandonware adjacent. It's in the area of abandonware. So it's like what the they're heck? close enough for you. Not enough yep. for the lawyers. Yeah. Hey, I still I well, we'll, we'll we that we, I can do a whole episode of uh <laughs> How I think that pirating is a okay as long as the stuff is it made its money in the past. It's 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 done. It's over. But mm. that's a whole other episode. Sure, sure. All right, let's talk about the Mission Impossible movies. So convince me to, dun, to watch dun, these. Because I've only saw I saw the first one and I hated mm -hmm. the Scooby Doo mask thing. Right. And uh, I'm like, I never want to see another Mission Impossible movie again. And then one of my friends convinced me. That I had to go to the theater to watch Mission Impossible 2 because it was so good. 
Cool. And he actually came with me. He already has seen it and he wanted to see it again. It was so good. Let's watch Mission Impossible 2. And I'm sitting there and I wanted to leave the theater. I thought that movie was so stupid. Mm-hmm. That point where he walks through the, the archway and there's this glowing light around him and bells go flying everywhere. Like Tom Cruise is the second coming of Jesus. Right. Yeah, I remember. I was like, like I want to get out of this. This movie is so <laughs> stupid. I never want to. So that was it. That was the last. And now everyone tells me, no, you got to watch three and four and five. They're so good. Mm-hmm. I have no interest. So you've you've watched them all from beginning to end. Okay, I have not I have not watched them all. Uh I believe there are six, and I watched them because they all just uh were dumped on a Netflix. I turned on, oh, turned on one day and I was like, Oh, look at all those Mission Impossibles. But the most recent one, I guess, is still too new, so they didn't put that one on there. But I watched uh yeah, I went in order, I watched them all. Uh, the five of them, and I understand all of your complaints of, of everything you just said. Uh, the mask thing, you, you got to take it or leave it. It's just how it is. I will say that the mask issue does get better uh, as it goes on. It's used. I thought the first one was not terrible. Like when um, the first time he does it's like right in the beginning, he rips the thing off. And I was like, oh, okay. And then it cuts to like the opening title sequence and, you know, the music's playing and they're, it's kind of cut like a, like a, like a television intro, you know, they're doing less things. So I was like, okay, they're, they're tongue in cheek about this. But later on in that film, they do do a couple more masks and it's pretty obvious. And the, I'd say the thing about um, the first film that bugs me the most is just that it was so predictable. Like in the first five minutes, you're like, okay, that guy's going to betray everybody. And <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's what happens. <laughs> yeah. And so I got to sit through all these scenes of people going, oh, what's going on? How, how do yeah, they know? Yeah. And like, well, no, it's, that, it's obvious. Um, so that's one thing about the movies that I, I say is uh, to a detriment is they're pretty predictable, especially in the second movie because the masks are out of control in that second movie. It's like every scene is... Well, that's a guy in a mask. And then, <laughs> that's a guy in a mask. Yeah. And they, they do it over and over. There's one point where Tom Cruise is fighting a guy. And then, you know, the fight ends, but you don't see who wins. And then it's the henchman dragging in Tom Cruise to the boss. And you're like, he took the time to change their clothes, like completely change the clothes. And he had a Tom Cruise mask ready to put on this guy. And then you know you're waiting for the scene. They're like, just pull the mask up, and then yeah, they this pull it is, off. That's what I'm saying. I can't buy the masks. The first one is kind of clunky, but I really like the the line that that famous scene of him on the the wires doing down the computer. I thought that was fun, well executed. Uh, the second one is a bit of a turd. It's it's um, pretty dumb. But I did uh, really enjoy the last 20 minutes or so when it goes full John Woo, just crazy action. I was like, ah, oh, this I, I is really remember. silly and fun. The one thing that gets me about part two, and I, I think of this all the time, even though I'd never seen it before, I knew the story behind it, where the the villain in that movie, an actor, Doug Gray Scott, Dugray, I don't know how to say his name, but that was the guy that was originally cast to play Wolverine in the first X-Men movie. Mm. And as far as I know, this guy's career hasn't really taken off. 
you know. I never heard he, of him. <laughs> he, he was handpicked by Tom Cruise to be in that movie. So he had to be in that movie. But because the shoot went long, he wasn't able to do X-Men. And then mm. they had to go with their backup choice of Hugh Jackman, who, of course, has since gone on to be beloved for his Wolverine and has become a big Hollywood A-lister. And I bet that's constantly in the back of that other actor's head. It was like, man, if I had just been able to do that movie, maybe I would have had a chance to follow up on that, in that path. Like, of course, uh, a lot of that is Hugh Jackman's nat talent and charisma and all that. Has propelled that's like, Wally, that's like uh, Wally Pip. It was Wally Pip. Come on. Everybody knows Wally Pip. I don't know Wally Pip. Wally Pip in the 1920s was the first baseman for the New York Yankees. Oh, of course. And uh, he was like, you know, their guy. He was their first baseman, their guy. And uh, one day he was like, you know what, guys? I got a bit of a headache. I think I'm going to have to sit out this game. So, they, so they're so they like, okay, they sat out this game. They put a rookie to play first base for him. The guy was Lou Gehring, who went on to play 4,300 and seven games consecutively for the New York Yankees. No one ever heard of Wally Pip again. Yeah. There you go. So, yeah. I imagine that's uh, Mr. Scott there. I don't know. I'm sure he's done other acting work, but probably not hitting the big time. Um, so, yeah, the first two are a bit clunky. Uh but then the Mission Impossible movie is different director every time. Uh, I, I can't say for the last one because I haven't seen that one. But uh, 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 Brian De Palma, John Woo, J.J. Abrams, Brad Bird. And then I don't remember the, the, the guy who did the fifth one. So every movie has like a like kind of a different tone. Like they were they were fishing around trying to figure out what's the best balance, you know. And I think three did it best of the ones I've seen so far. Three, I thought was really good. It, it downplays the silliness and the masks and everything. I want to say maybe in four, maybe they didn't use any masks at all. Or, or maybe it was just one. I who think direct, like, who directed the third one? JJ. Oh, JJ Abrams, then Brad Bird, then some other dude. Um, but yeah, the three, four, and five are, are much better than one and two. Uh, I, I really think three had a great tone and there was a little bit more to his character. There was a little bit more personal stakes in that one, you know, because he's just action adventure guy, you know, spy man for a lot of the movies. So four and five are fun they got really good like individual moments there are some great chase scenes and action scenes and stuff uh and you know these movies are kind of sold now on the premise that tom cruise does one of these big stunts like he's hanging off the airplane and stuff like that yeah and you know those those are fun but uh yeah three i would actually buy a copy of because i want to see that one again um and part three has robocop sounds in it there, there's one part at the beginning where these like these gun turrets are moving and they make Robocop sounds. The little servos when he's like, it's those sounds. But yeah, uh, I, fun movies. They're, they're fine. All they're, right. I don't, 
I don't think any of them go so far as to being great. Uh, they they have their issues, but they also have some really fun moments. Part four, five. If you hate the Scooby Doo stuff, the last one, the part five, the ending to that movie is totally Scooby Doo. The way they they get the 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 main villain, just I couldn't like, believe. It. Just like Wayne's it was, World, right? It was so it was so <laughs> silly. It was so silly, but it was like at the end of the movie, like whatever, fine. Just go what? ahead with it. So can I watch part three without having to go back and looking at part one and two? Can I just dive you into three? You can watch any of these uh, like on, on its own. Like I'd say three and four have like a little connective tissue of one particular aspect of Tom Cruise's character. But yeah, you can jump right into three without having seen one or two. Okay. And... The one thing I will say, though, the the detriment of four and five and probably six, um, the first couple of movies, even though they were kind of clunky, the first two, they're they're super secret spies that are supposed to be really good at their job. And one thing I appreciate they never really did is they never had the goofy side character. They never had, you know, somebody go to another country and then not be able to speak the language or not be able to do their job or something like that. Uh, in fact, part three really deals with that. The idea of when are these agents ready? You know, when are they capable to go out into the field and do their job? Um, but from three on, Simon Pegg joins the cast and he kind of becomes that goofy character in three it's fine because he's a guy in the office but from four on he becomes one of the field agents and he's doing the the comedy side character thing of constantly talking too much and saying silly things and and you start wondering like why is this guy ready you know the, the way he's acting he doesn't act like a field agent you know he does his job and but there's so many scenes of him being goofy I was like, ah, that that's the balance is off now. I thought three handled it really well. Yeah. Okay. And of course you got to deal with the whole Tom Cruise is amazing. Uh, yeah. Now, to his credit though, he does a lot of his own stunts. Okay. And, and it's, it's to the film's benefit that you don't have to cut to stunt man. Tom Cruise does camera tricks he does not do his own stunts they well camera yes. tricks to make yes. it look like he does his own stunts he is not he, well, jackie chan or burt reynolds he <laughs> is burt would do his own stunts damn it I, i'll say that the movie the movie looks good you know and he he does a number of these uh wacky stunts so, you know they're staged in a way that he can do them uh, what they do is safely. they they take tom cruise and they shoot him really really fast and he does something really really slow and then they just speed it up when to real time to, to a, and well, so I'm it looks bad. like he did something amazing but he really just like it was not my intention to say that tom cruise is a great stuntman i'm saying that it's shot in a way that it it makes the film look better where you're, you're not cutting away to an obvious, well, we got to go back of the head for a stunt guy here kind of thing. 
I have to uh, correct something I said earlier uh, before we get tons and tons of uh, emails and uh, complaints on Twitter. Uh, Lou Gehring played 2,130 consecutive games. I had that. I get that mixed up with another number. 4306 is what uh, Tom Cheek, the number of games that he announced as the Blue Jays announcer consecutively. So I get those two numbers mixed up. So I just want to nip that in the bud before it gets out. That's of not going to help. That's not going to help. No, I'm not going to get it. All the hate mail is yeah. coming. Yeah. All the baseball fans who listen to this show are getting ready to uh, rightfully scold me. No, nobody's listening to this episode. No, no. no. <laughs> I'm not even, I toned, I tuned out a while ago. Uh, do we want to talk about some of the movies I watched or do we need to wrap this up? I don't know. Sarah hasn't know. told me you if supper's done yet. Uh, okay, well, I talked about being the, uh, being the Ricardos a little bit. It's a pretty mm-hmm. good movie. Uh, I enjoyed it. It's uh, it has Javier Bardem uh, mm-hmm. as uh, Ricky Ricardo and uh, Kim uh, no Nicole Kidman as uh, Lucy. Uh, both of them are up for Oscars for Best Actor, Best Actress, mm-hmm. and uh, eh, you know it, it was pretty good movie. A little bit cheesy in some points. Oh, supper is leftover, so I can take my time. <laughs> <laughs> that's right okay uh it was a little bit cheesy uh, and some like it, the movie builds up to like this one moment and when you finally get to that moment it's just a really cheesy payoff just the way they did it um it, it's one of those things like they wanted to reveal who the person was at the end so it's like this really weird conversation that they have and then they tell you who the person is you know, instead of like, in reality, you would know who you were talking about at the start. So it's it just kind of a little weird. But other than that, it was a pretty good movie. I enjoyed watching like, you know, them going into Lucille Ball's head and how she would plan things out and that for comedy. Like the writers would give her scenarios and that. And she could like envision it, you know, like and, and really pick it apart as to what would be funny and what isn't. I really like that stuff. It reminded me a lot of Michael Jackson and that This Is It documentary when a musician mm-hmm. would come in. And he would, they would play him something and it would be like amazing. Like this, it would be a studio musician. He's like, okay, I got this for the song. And he'd play this thing and be like, holy crap, that's perfect. That sounds really great. And Michael Jackson would be like, that's really awesome. But I need you to do this, this, and this, and this. And then the guy would play it the way Michael Jackson would say it. And it would, it would be even better. He just knew how to, so it kind of reminded me of that. Um, the only thing is Nicole Kidman, like she does everything to sound and uh, like she had all like the like the voice of Lucille Ball, she had the the facial expressions and all that, but she doesn't look a thing like Lucille Ball. And like like Lucille Ball when she was doing that TV show, she was in you know her late thirties, early forties, and um, Nicole Kidman's fifty four. She doesn't look a thing, and, she, and she's had a ton of plastic surgery. Like I know I listen, I understand Hollywood is really hard for women to stay in the business too. Like when you get older, they, you know, they won't give you the plum parts and all that stuff, but she, you know, with prosthetics and CG and stuff, they really could have helped her out to make her look a little more like Lucille ball, you know? So I found it a little hard to buy into 
Nicole Kidman as as this character. Like, why would this character with all this modern plastic surgery on her face exist in the 1950s? It just it just looked a little bizarre. But uh, what do you want? You, you know. Well, I'm you, saying like they could have helped her out. With some, they they could have helped her out with some prosthetics or something like that. Like the, the like the stuff that they could do today. You know, to make it look like her face doesn't move. It has no articulation in it because mm. she's got so much plastic surgery in her face. And uh, it's not a, like, I'm not trying to knock her. I'm just saying like, it just, it takes it out of the, the movie, you know, like you're trying to like escape into this thing. And you got like this face that this modern face that doesn't belong in, uh, mm-hmm. in the, in the time. Of, and I don't know. It just, they could have helped her out. That's all I'm saying. They should have helped her out a little. Uh, I watched this movie called The The Power of the Dog. Uh, this one has um, Spider-Man's girlfriend in it. Tobey Maguire's girlfriend. What's her name? Kirsten, Kirsten Dunst. Kirsten Dunst. She still does acting? She still does acting. And uh, she did acting in this movie. And, uh, she, you know, she was actually pretty good in it. But the movie itself is boring man oh my goodness what a boring movie um i think it's one of those it's adapted from a book so i think it's one of those movies where it makes like it's a story that makes sense in a book because a lot of things are happening in the characters heads in that but they don't really they don't do the inner monologue in movies anymore right where someone's just standing there and you can hear their voice inside their head they don't do that anymore Hmm. and they have no way of kind of figuring out how to explain to a viewer uh you know how to translate inner monologue to a viewer so like a lot of stuff is just kind of missed and it's just really a slow i don't know it wasn't very good but it had that it had the the guy from breaking bad in it um you know the blonde guy from breaking bad i can't remember his name Blonde guy yeah the guy that um uh like he would just like uh kill people (laughs) he would like uh, what the heck was his name the blonde guy. Yeah. You know, he was skinny at the beginning of Breaking Bad, and then he got fat towards the end of Breaking Bad. What's that guy's name? The blonde guy? Okay, forget it. Anyways. Who, uh, wait, 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 wait. No, I want to know. Who is the blonde guy? She's going to make you look it up. he work for somebody? He worked he for, like, he was, he was a bit of a loose cannon, right? He got in with uh, Walter uh, White at the end. You remember when they were in the desert and they were doing that thing with the train? And the, and the oh, 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 right, oh, right, that guy. And then he just, right, and then the okay. kid with the spoilers just, just for Breaking Bad. The little kid comes up on the bike and spots Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, okay. The, the tarantula. Uh, Jesse Plemons, I believe, is the actor's name. There you go. That's his name, that guy. That guy's in it, and he was actually, he was he was okay in it, he too. He does a lot of stuff now. I can't he's, believe, like, he, he's really taken off. He's got to have, like, an amazing team behind him because he seems to find his way into everything now um but yeah he was pretty good in it all the act it was one of those movies that the acting was all good cumberbatch is in it as well but it's just a really slow burn of a movie uh i watched uh, luca which is an animated film eh, it didn't really do anything for me didn't care too much for that one uh watched belfast which is uh a movie about um belfast uh, it takes place in the 1960s when the Catholics and Irish were all uh, fighting with each other, um, and it's all in black and white, and it was uh, it was good, good.
good stuff. I enjoyed that one a lot. It has um, Dame Judy Dench in it. For mm-hmm. some reason, she got an Oscar nom for the movie. I don't know why, because she's hardly in it. The actress who plays the mom in the movie, she was really good in it. And I don't know why she didn't get an Oscar. She should have got an Oscar nom for it. But uh, I really enjoyed that one. Tried watching the new Dune. Hmm. Couldn't get very far in it. Uh, I think we got did an you, hour. I think we got a full hour. The previous Dune movie? Couldn't finish that one either. I, I didn't even get the Patrick Stewart in that movie. I'd, are you at all familiar with the Dune literature? No. Yeah. I, I watched that first Dune movie and it visually it's kind of interesting, some of the stuff they did, but yeah, it's I, I find it to be somewhat inaccessible. Like it, it's boring. It was just so boring. boring. Yes, that's it was, it. <laughs> dull. Like I, I think I think my review on uh, Letterbox was Dune, more like dull. <laughs> Anyways, not very. It's not very good. It's I don't know. I didn't. I didn't get it. It was. It's all like this political space drama stuff, and they're they're fighting over this spice thing. And this one guy has like this amazing calling power thing. He's like the what do they call that? He's he's like I don't know. He's got the thing that's going to save the world or something like that. And now everyone's trying to move in on it before. It ha- I don't know. I didn't understand what the heck was going on. I was so bored. We got a full hour in. I, I said to Sarah, do you understand what's going on? She's like, I don't understand what's going on. I'm like, I'm dropping this. This is terrible. All right. Hey, Kyle's now, here. Hey, Kyle. Thank you. Thank you. He says, congratulations on 200. Oh, okay. Yeah. You missed the Star Trek DVD. You got to go. Oh, yeah. You got to rewind to all that Star Trek DVD talk. Okay. Now, here comes the hard, hard, heavy recommendation. Because I'm going out on a on a with a bang. I absolutely adored this movie. I thought it was so terrific. The movie is called Summer of Soul. And it is a documentary. Basically, it's the it, you know, it's kind of referred to as the Black Woodstock. Uh, so in 1968, after Martin Luther King had uh, was assassinated, mm-hmm. uh the city of New York was kind of looking for a way to kind of calm down uh, the people of Harlem who just happened to be uh, black. Uh, so what they decided to do in order to keep people um, not burn up the city <laughs> and keep them, uh, give them something to do basically was uh, for a number of six weekends in uh, the summer of 1969, they uh, had free concerts. The city put on free concerts for the the black community in Harlem and all these uh, black uh, acts, musical acts came to Harlem to perform for free in, in the park. And uh, they had, they shot everything, right? Like they shot all this stuff onto film because they knew that this was something like really, really special that, you know, all these performances and that of black musicians from all over to come do it. After the six weeks, and they had all this footage, they tried to take it and sell it to movie studios. And, you know, Woodstock was like the biggest movie uh, at, at the time in like 1970, 71. It was huge. It was in theaters. It was making tons of money. And they were like, look, we got the black Woodstock here. Let's put the black Woodstock into theaters. Nobody wanted to touch it. 
Nobody wanted to do anything with it. They couldn't sell it because it was too black. So the thing sat in a vault or in someone's basement <laughs> in a vault. It sat in someone's basement for 50 years. Hmm. Uh, this guy, Questlove, not sure if you know who he is, but he is like the he, he's uh, the, the founding member of the band Roots, who went on to be the house band for Jimmy Fallon. Uh, when Jimmy Fallon took over the Tonight Show. Well, this guy, here's the stories about this. You know, th it happened before he was born, right? He was born in 71, and this thing took place in 69. He hears these stories about this concert of all these black musicians. And he's like, man, I got to find this footage if it still exists. And he finds it, and he made this movie. Let me tell you, this movie starts off within the first five minutes. It starts off with Stevie Wonder, a young Stevie Wonder in his 20s, going to town on a drum kit. The blind man just go like this amazing drum solo. And from that point on, it just never let me go. It's just all these wonderful musicians performing. And it's all about like the the flat the the um the tone of everything that was happening at the time mixed in with all these musical performances and it was so great it was just a a beautiful movie like at the time in 69 in the summer of 69 uh you know man was landing on the moon and uh you know they were they would go and ask like all these uh you know reporters would go in and ask uh you know all these people like wait what do you think about you know man landing on the moon and to these to these people who were living in poverty they were like yeah that's great and everything but you know, how about something for us? Because, you know, everything, everything's kind of shit down here on, on, on earth. So it was a great, like, you know, they, they would interview like white people and white people would be like, Oh, every, all of humanity's come together at this one great moment. And then they interview the black people and they're like, yeah, well, we're kind of being, you know, left, the left aside here. So it was great. It was hmm. good. Uh, you had a bunch of some musicians I've never heard of before. Some musicians I heard of, but had never seen perform before or really like connected as to who was, you know, with what music they had them, you know, in, you know, like the musicians who were still alive, they had and did like current interviews with them. Uh, people who attended the concert as children might, by the way, everybody aged like so well, like everybody looks like as if like the movie, like there was one guy that was like, yeah, I was 19 when I went to the movie. They they go to his like current day and he looked like he's 45. You know, he looked like he was like a few years younger than me. Um, but anyways, it was great. You had uh, so there was uh, Stevie Wonder, BB King, uh, Nina Simone, um, The Fifth Dimension. Um, I'm, I'm like I'm, I couldn't name them all. I'd be forgetting a, a ton of them, but. It's it's on Disney Plus right now. If you have Disney Plus, ABC actually aired it because it's you know ABC is owned by Disney and that, and they really wanted to, to push this movie. I do hope it, it's up for best documentary. I think it should have been up for best picture. I I think it, I thought it was so great. Now, is this one of those uh, categories that's not going to be shown? I, I saw something of how the Oscars are eliminating. They're not showing certain categories on their live coverage or whatever yes i don't believe I, I i did not see documentary on there i would have been 
a little more upset uh, from reading that if documentary was not being televised but i don't really care too much about the oscars but you know I, it is you know it's it's a moment for those guys to shine i saw that thing too where pat and oswalt basically tweeted out at the yeah, yeah, yeah. the academy and a bunch of other celebrities jumped on about basically how abc is hacking up the show uh because the ratings for the for the oscars have fallen by the wayside uh because it's all about the pageantry and stuff like that really that's what the show is about right it's about uh, people seeing the stars come out what they're wearing uh yeah hear them and see them in a different setting the magic of that is completely gone with the internet and social media now you can see celebrities everywhere you don't have to like like you used to have to wait like you'd saw marilyn monroe you'd see her in the movies and if you wanted to see her in anything else you'd have to wait for the oscars to come on to see her in any other setting you know she wasn't on tv shows and stuff like that she wasn't accessible at, like now celebrities they're just everywhere you can follow them they follow me on twitter you know like they, they follow every like they're just everywhere you don't need the pageantry of um of that show anymore i don't understand why they don't just like there's so many channels and so many ways to show this stuff why they just don't air it on one of their other channels you know why don't they just so like Patton oswald was basically calling them out because they're cutting down the show to only like the major categories and Patton oswald's point was that all these categories that they're cutting out like editing and sound design and makeup are actually as important as the other categories that they're airing when it comes to making a movie. It's just that you don't get a celebrity attached to it, you know? Right. Which fair enough, but I mean, they could, they could just air it on something. Some yeah. Well, I mean, just shows they're, they're pandering to the people that want to see the pretty dresses and right. like, Oh, look, there's so-and-so isn't yeah. he handsome? Yeah. yeah. But you know, he is, he is right. Like they're, we do like because I think it's a lot of it is because the lines are blurred. Um, it's like the job titles are really blurred when it comes to a movie. Sometimes an executive producer for a movie does a, the lion's share of the work. Sometimes an executive producer is just a guy who gave they them some their, money. They put their name on the right, and it's like, oh, yeah. if you give us a hundred thousand dollars to do this scene, we'll make you an executive producer, so you get a little bit of the back end. Right. Well, that's part of the problem, you know. Sometimes a director is like so hands-on and once the movie is all done they go and sit in the edit room and sit beside the editor and there are they are in every single scene other times they're like hey i trust you editor you go ahead and do the whole thing i don't even want to know so that's part of the problem is that like there's no like people don't really understand like what the set rules are you know like even and even a director like we said it so many times sometimes not everybody's steven spielberg Steven Spielberg has a vision. He wants to make a movie and then he gets the best people on the planet to, together to make a movie. Then there's other people like, uh, what's that guy that does the Transformers movies? What's his name? Uh, Michael Bay. Michael Bay. Michael Bay's like the studio says, Michael Bay, make us the, the, you know, just make some crap, make it like popcorn fodder. And he's like, okay. And that's his job. And that's what he does. You know? So I think that's part of the problem is that people don't really understand what the lines are. And maybe you need more people like Patton Oswalt to speak up and say what they are. But anyways. Oh, it's nice when people have a vision. You got to be tired of hearing me talk by now. You got to be uh, ready to move on. Move on with your life. What do, what do, what do I do? Show up <laughs> here to uh, 
to do this. I'm sick of hearing myself talk. That's what I'm trying to say. Well, I think there, there was one more movie that I had on my okay. list, and I have it uh, right here. You talking, uh, I can, I'll sit. Win-win. Oh, what's that? It, it's a little movie from 2011, and it's got uh, Paul Giamatti. There he is. Look at it. The little Paul Giamatti right there. Oh. Uh, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. I recommend checking it out. It's a little independent movie. It plays independent movie music, so it sounds the way you expect it to. And it's little people having drama and interactions, and they act like real people. And it's pretty good. Jeffrey Tambor's in it, too. Before he, he was in Scandals, right? Before it was probably before Scandals. Yeah. 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 Bert Young. Bert Young is in this. He, he yelled at Jessica Walter, which is it's not, it's never good. I don't know, but I, I recommend it. It's pretty good. Well, look at this. We've got a nice comment here. Amiibo discussion, Trek talk, music review, Ke movie chat, Kevin telling Richard, I told you so. <laughs> Googling information during podcast, all classic retro fandango. Keep it up, guys. There you go. That's a 200 episode right there. Uh, we just did all of our greatest hits in two hours. <laughs> We're nothing if not consistent. Boom. Pig vomit, yes. And then comes up with pig vomit. Yeah. Okay. Join us on the Discord channel, the Retro Fandango Discord channel. If you need a link or you need a thing to get to it, just hit me up on the, the Twitter or whatever. Uh, and if you, if you need to get a hold of us on the Twitter, we're at Retro underscore Fandango. You don't want to miss out on that Discord because you get to see all of Richard's movies that he's been watching and Yes, I don't talk about them all on the show. Uh, excuse me, Kyle. If you would have tuned in from the beginning, you would have known that we did indeed complain about Star Wars. Thank you very much. Uh, yes, so that, is, that is true. Yeah, and if you well, want to know why or how, things. you're going to have to watch the whole... You're going to have to go back because I'm not repeating myself. Mm -hmm. There you go. We hit it all, baby. There was nothing left. I mean, it would have been nice to bring back the soundboard, but... Way it goes here. Owner, you got... owner, you bite a baby. <laughs> you bite a baby. You got him with that. That's uh, good stuff. Yeah. Okay, that's it. We're done. Goodbye, everybody. See you in episode two oh one.